Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio, brought to you by at 80s Wrestling on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, creators of 80s Wrestling Con. Don't miss some of the biggest stars of yesteryear at 80s Wrestling Con 2, coming October 26th from Freehold, New Jersey. Go to www.80sWrestlingCon.com for all the details. And by at Squared Circle Classics on Instagram and Facebook, home to some of the greatest old school wrestling content. Follow them for daily posts of great old school pics, videos, polls, and even action movie content. Now, without further ado, here are your hosts, Matt McMahon with At Squared Circle Classics and Tommy Fierro with At 80s Wrestling. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. That's the sound of 80s Wrestling Radio. Got Matt with Squared Circle Classics and out here with Tommy with 80s Wrestling. Tommy, man, what's going on? Brother? Hit the music. <laughs> yes, that's uh, this. I what we just heard was uh, a little ditty. I I kind of threw together. So uh, that was Tommy's yeah, like first that, time man. hearing it. Probably was like, oh yeah, shit, like what's it. going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was cool, man. I was digging that. I wanted to hear a little bit more, actually. Uh, yeah, man, hit the music tonight. We're gonna talk all about. The Life and Times of Ravishing Rick Rude in the 80s. Man, I've been looking forward to this episode all week long. Uh, he was definitely one of my favorites in the 80s. I know he was one of yours as well. We, I know that you were actually had your fingers crossed open that that would win uh, the uh, the poll last week, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's tough for me. I always think about, like, a, you know, who would be my top five or so and uh and he's right he's right around there um in terms of my all-time faves i mean the guy is just the quintessential heel and his character was just so so great and and his real life story is pretty incredible too i mean um it's just he's just a just one of the best overall personalities i think professional wrestling has ever had and unfortunately like many others taken from us um too soon but uh yeah man um anyway how was your weekend dude good man good uh watched SummerSlam yesterday with some friends and i'm sure you mm-hmm. did as well and uh i thought overall man it was a really good pay-per-view i i enjoyed it very much so Nice. Yeah, I mean, I heard some good things. I uh, I didn't see it, but uh, um, I was kind of curious about the Charlotte and Trish match, and um, seemed like that one went oh, over pretty well. It, yeah, they killed it. They did awesome. And I'll tell you what, the coolest thing of the show, man. I'm sure anyone that that saw it will agree with me was uh, Bray Wyatt's entrance. Man, it was freaking yeah. Off the hook. It was awesome. I caught some of that through some stuff online, and that did look pretty amazing. I'm I'm glad that they're taking the risk right now with uh, a character like that again to kind of bring some some suspension of disbelief and a little bit of kayfabe back into the product. I think um, this is one thing that they've been getting uh, right. It seems like for the last few months, but uh, yeah, man. Well, hey, um, I think you've got some uh, some pretty some big news to uh, kind of announce around Wrestling Con too, don't you? Oh yeah, man! We're waiting all week to uh, to announce it. Uh, I promised last week that I would do the exclusive right here on 80s Wrestling Radio. So <clears throat> I've been like, uh, my fingers have been like trying to like move away from my telephone because I want to keep posting it on uh, Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. But I've held off because I I promised I would announce some exclusive content for 80s Wrestling Con 2 right here. 
And uh, again, it's going to be on uh, Saturday, October the 27th in Freehold, New Jersey at iPlay America. And the Million Dollar Man, Teddy Biasi, is going to be there with Virgil, Sergeant Slaughter, Bob Backlund, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, Demolition, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, The Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, The Killer Bees, Marty Gennetti, The Brooklyn Brawler, Tugboat, and Haku. And uh, they'll be obviously doing photo ops and autographs. And uh, we're going to have some really cool interactive uh, fan festival type activities uh, that we're going to announce now. I know before we went on the air, I was telling you about it, so we can uh, go back and forth talking about some of the different things we're going to have there. And uh, my, my main thing, man, is is I, I put myself, well, I'm a fan anyway, so I was going to say I put myself in the fan series, but I'm a fan too. So uh, stuff that I would want to see if I was going there as a fan. And uh, I've come up with some great stuff for this upcoming 80s Wrestling Con 2. One of the things I'm looking forward to, man, I know that you are too, is we're actually going to do an 80s wrestling tag team panel at 80s Wrestling Con 2 with Demolition and the Killer Bees. They're going to be talking about 80s tag team wrestling in the WWF. Man, I can't wait to uh, sit down and, and listen to some of these stories these guys have talking about other teams that they worked with, whether it be the Hart Foundation, whether it be uh, the Powers of Pain, uh, I mean, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of big uh, strike force and demolition. Some great matches with them. I, I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, some of the stories they have to talk about with 80s tag team wrestling at 80s wrestling con too. Yeah, hey man, I, you had a pretty awesome lineup back in uh, in April for the the first con, but man, you got some really big ones for this second one too. Man, that's a hell of a lineup, and I think you know with the that era is you know again the golden era of golden age of of uh, tag teams, and um, you know the the fact that you got those two uh, demolition and the killer bees coming in. I mean, that's just fantastic. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing what they have to say and hear them talk about 80s wrestling. So, uh, yeah, tag team panel with Demolition and Killer Bees are doing that. We're also going to do a uh, anyone that purchases a VIP ticket, which is a VIP pass, is an autograph op and a photo op of every guest there. Uh, they're available on the website now. It's 80swrestlingcon.com. Anyone that purchases a VIP uh, ticket, will have the chance to enter a 80s wrestling super card challenge where wrestling fans can write up their dream card. Uh, if everyone was in their prime in the 80s, whether it be AWA, NWA, WWF, WC, uh, WCCW, whatever it may be, and in the upcoming weeks we'll do like the stipulations, how many matches, how many gimmick matches you can do, whatever. But we're gonna do an '80s wrestling supercard uh, contest, and uh, anyone that buys a VIP pass can enter the contest. And check this out, man: the winner of the contest uh, is gonna be crowned the '80s wrestling con supercard champion, and they're gonna get a championship title from undisputed belts at '80s wrestling con too. So the winner is walking out with a title belt, man. That's gonna be really, really cool. Wow. Yeah, man, that's a great that's a great prize right there. Well, hey, man, let's run down some of this stuff. I know we want to um, obviously got to get to the ravishing one here, but uh, I mean, you, you're going to have some amazing things going on here. It looks like a chance to get your hair cut by Brutus Beefcake. Seriously, what's what's that yeah, all about? Man. We're going to do a uh, we're going to do a raffle and uh, we'll announce the charity in the upcoming weeks. But all proceeds will benefit the charity. 
So you'll have a chance. Someone will be going around with raffle tickets. You buy a raffle ticket. And uh, the winner of the raffle will get an uh, opportunity to get a haircut from Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And if you don't <laughs> want to get a haircut, hair, if you don't want to get a haircut, haircut, that's cool. Like you just want a little bit off the top or a little bit off the side or the back, just for more of a photo op opportunity. But all the money is going to be donated to uh, to charity. So someone will get their haircut at Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So that's really cool. I, I get a sense that like if anybody wanted a mullet cut, I bet you he could probably hook them up with that. I think that uh, that that even now, I think he may have the skills to be able to to dial that one in. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's see. We got uh, Jimmy Hart is going to be in attendance, and he's actually going to perform his song from the wrestling album "Eat Your Heart Out," Rick Springfield. That's pretty sweet. Cool. Live, man, live. Jimmy Hart will be performing <laughs> Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield. The last one back in April, we had Coco Beware uh, perform Pile Driver live. So anyone knows uh-huh. the first one, they know how cool that, they know how cool that was. So Jimmy Hart will really be cool. performing Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield live. So I'm looking forward to that. And also, we're gonna have uh, uh, for the for the figure collectors out there. Obviously, in the 80s, you know, LGNs were huge in the 80s, and they still are right now. We're going to actually have an 80s WWF LGN Collectors uh, Center section at the con where wrestling fans can bring their old LGNs and show them off to other fans and trade and stuff like that. So it's going to be like a little LGN Collectors Corner at 80s Wrestling Con, too, so that's going to be really cool. And we're going to do an 80s Wrestling Trivia Contest as well throughout the day where you can win prizes. The MC will be coming up to just random people and ask them. And these aren't going to be like no uh, under uh, underhand pitch type of questions. They're going to be hard questions. So mm-hmm. uh, anyone that does answer the questions right, these wrestling trivia questions are going to get some prizes throughout the day. And uh, it's actually be one of the sponsors for AEW Wrestling Con too is going to be Hell's Kitchen Hot Sauce. It's a real popular uh, hot sauce company in New York. They're going to do an exclusive, some exclusive wrestling sauces at the con, and they're going to do some giveaways, and we're going to do some uh, exclusive content with them as well. So I'm really uh, excited to be partnering up with Hell's Kitchen Hot Sauce. We'll be talking more about them on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter over the next month or two, but uh, they're going to be involved with uh, the con as well. And uh, Nerds Clothing, who uh, does some WWE, uh, there's a lot of WWE uh, shirts, uh, they're going to actually be at 80s Wrestling Con 2 as well. So I'm excited to have those guys on board. And we're working on a lot of other stuff, man. I have another big announcement too, but we'll save that uh, for the end of the show tonight. Uh, another big announcement for 80s Wrestling Con 2. But let's uh, open the phone lines, man. It's area code 323-927-2953. Again, that's 2953 talking about the lights and times of Ravishing Rick Rude in the WWF and even before WWF when he when he first broke in in uh, November of 1982. You know what, Tommy? I think that was such an amazing lead-in. Um, I think all I can do is, uh, well, I got to hit the music. Oh, yeah. I mean, who could forget those classic intro promos from Rick Rude? Um, 
Yeah, man, we go uh, 1982 when he broke into the business um, was just a was yeah, a good physique, real lean, um, and came on actually as a baby face, um, and then kind of wrestled around the uh, Jim Crockett territories and throughout uh, the National Wrestling Alliance and bounced around through Georgia and Mid Atlantic and. But really, I think where he kind of made his uh, his name, I think, was uh, in Memphis, and uh, he uh, he had a couple runs there. But his second one is where he kind of brought the whole ravishing character uh, that we came to know and love, where he uh, brought that gimmick in and really started getting over, got really great heat. And by this time too, as you know, from a physique perspective, he was he was really you know ripped, you know, pretty much kind of a physique unlike I'd say almost anybody in the business at that time. I mean, you had some real big, huge guys um, and that were, that were muscular and had definition, but he was that, he had the muscles, but like absolute, you know, almost seemed like zero body fat, like the guy had a 12 pack. And so, you know, a unique look, um, you know, was a great worker. And, you know, actually I feel like we should back up a second and say, you know, it it blows my mind that he grew up, uh, you know, in in the in Minnesota. But the wrestling hotbed that he grew up in. Get a load of this, man. This is just a rundown of all the guys that Rick Rude grew up with um, as a kid. Obviously, Kurt Henning, we all know because those guys were were uh, really good friends, best of friends, um, you know, throughout their wrestling careers. But growing up, but we got Tom Zink, the Z Man. Brady Boone, Nikita Koloff, which that one surprised me. I didn't know Nikita Koloff was actually uh, originally from the Minnesota area. Uh, John Nord, if you remember uh, the Berserker and Nord the Barbarian, that guy was 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 huge uh, physically. Uh, and Barry Darso, uh, Demolition Smash. Um, and then I, he also had uh, Joe um, Joe Laurinaitis, you know, uh, Road Warrior Animal. And then I think Hawk came along after. But man, you talk about six or seven, eight guys all within like a year or two of each other growing up going to the same high school and to think about the careers that the you know some of those guys would go on to have yeah man i, I got a feeling that nobody was taking their lunch money when they were in school man oh man no yeah <laughs> and I, i've listened to a lot of the interviews of from some of those guys and talk about what it was like you know growing up around him and they'd always ask okay hey you know there's like this posse of you guys all coming up together you know who who kind of ran the show and who was the toughest and you meant every single one of them would say it was rude that he was just like a, a a pit bull and like a super nice guy but at the same time i mean he loved to scrap and when he got into a scrap they said he would you know he'd go for the jugular um and so you saw that i think as his has you know getting into professional wrestling and you know before that becoming a world-class uh professional arm wrestler which just is is incredible um but uh but yeah man the guy was just just a badass all around when you think about it and um you know so then fast forward again back into memphis He's got some really good feuds going on with Lawler, really some good stuff with Savage. In fact, before we came on, I did a little live tag team match from 1984 Memphis Wrestling where Rude and Bundy tagged against Savage and Lawler. And uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, just a crazy schmoz finish at the end. But it's kind of funny watching Savage as a face in that territory working against uh, Rude, and Heel, uh, Rude and Bundy, which 
Rude and Bundy, I mean, man, those two guys as heels are just uh, two of the all-time greatest. And I thought it was awesome that, um, you know, even back before their WWF days that uh, the Memphis Territory put them together. Well, hey, Tommy, um, real quick, man, before we jump into any more about uh, the backstory of Rick Rude, we got a caller um, out there who's been holding almost the entire time. So I want to appreciate them. Um, Before I get there, though, let's give the caller number again. It's 323-297. Two nine five three. We're talking about ravishing Rick Rude in the '80s tonight. Give us a call and uh, let us know what you think. All right, going out to the phone lines. Hey, who's this? Where are you calling from? This is this is Nick from the Montana wheat field. Ah, uh, Nick. I called, I called last week, man. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, man? Um, Rick Rude is my number two of all time, and so I had I had to call in. Uh, to me, he's like. If you if you do the the you're familiar with the Bret Hart ranking system, correct? Yes. Rank the, uh, promo on- promo character promo and in ring ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is like, I think if you score them, he's as like close to the total package as you get. He he loses to Stone Cold because I was you know 17 in 1997, but um, Rick Rude was just he had. Everything, and it was it's the same story with DiBiase, um, who's my number three, by the way. Where like when I was a kid, he just made me so damn mad, you know, <laughs> like the way he would cheat, the way he would mouth off to people. The Jake the Snake feud was like a big one for me, but the biggest one is the feud with the Ultimate Warrior, um, which you know the big match at at, uh, at SummerSlam '89 where he cheats to win the belt. And it was so, like, it was so devastating to me being, like, nine years old at the time, you know, to just see this guy who was so, who was, like, so arrogant and so abrasive and, like, Ted DiBiase in so many ways, just this embodiment of everything that I, that I hated about people, you know, prevail through, through, through Bobby Heenan and uh, Bobby Heenan's cheating uh, but that's my big memory of him. And then flash forward to like, you know, being an adult. Um, I had a, I had a, a brief but somewhat successful career as a as a music journalist, where I irritated lots and lots and lots of people. And in my head, anytime I was writing about, you know, particularly a band I didn't like, I was doing Rick Rude in my head. In my head, it was just, you know, hey, you, you know. Uh, the caucus sweat hogs or, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. he just like, it's so, and it's, it's such a, it's from such a more like innocent time of wrestling fandom because it would never work today because you would have some moron like, you know, chanting, this is awesome in the middle of it. And it would, it would ruin the whole thing. But at the time that man knew how to work an audience like nobody. I mean, you watch those intros and the timing, the pacing of the whole of the whole thing is just like he's such a master of it. And and and, and like you know, he's not quite. A, he's obviously like he's not as cerebral as Jake the Snake or anything. But how many guys in that era were cutting promos without yelling? And it's not that he never raised it. Yeah, listen, Nick, man, a hundred percent. You're right. I mean, he is just he he's on a pedestal. I mean, the late '80s 
were just an was just an absolute. I mean, it's called a golden era for a reason, right? Um, I mean, the heels that we were blessed with uh, back then um, were just the best of all time. I mean, they're they truly are like Rude, DiBiase, Flair, Savage. You know, these guys, total packages, um, and uh, you know, just top notch Tommy I mean what do you think I mean he, he, he lots to unpack there I mean he's obviously a huge fan of uh, of Rudes but what do you think Yeah man I mean I couldn't I agree with everything that you just said I, I I feel the same way dude and I was just I was just thinking while you guys I was listening to you guys talking and you were just saying that like if you look at today's product and you you, you compare the hills of today to the hill I mean not just the hills I mean any anyone from today back to then like there's absolutely no comparison whatsoever, but like you saying, being blessed with hills by then, man, DiBiase, Jake, Rick Rude, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Piper, I mean, I mean, God, I mean, the guys today, and it, and it's not the guys from today's fault because they weren't brought up the way these guys are brought up. These guys, you know, they they were in so many different territories and learned from so many different people back then. Where today is, you know, it's it's not the same as it was back then. But man, you hit the nail on the head by saying that we were blessed with such 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 talent. And uh, I want to hear both of you guys' opinion on this one. I have him on the phone, and I always say this: I feel bad uh, for fans from today's generation because they didn't get the experience. I mean, they can go back and watch it on WWE Network and stuff like that. But to be a fan uh, as a young kid uh, watching it live in the '80s, man. I mean, we're the ones that were blessed. I mean, being able to live through that era, I felt bad that the fans of today never got to experience what we got to experience, you know? Well, what they don't have anymore is the plausible deniability that we had because, like, you knew it. You on, on some level, you knew it wasn't real, but you could kind of suspend disbelief in a way that you can't anymore. And the way that you see this the most is, like, you think about in the 80s, if you saw, you know, like, like Arn Anderson come up behind Sting with a steel chair while he's cutting a promo, the audience would go would go nuts, you know, like oh my god, turn around, turn around, turn around, and and they would just be like ready to, you know, jump out of the seats and kill this guy. But there's just you can't get that kind of heat anymore once the once the uh, you know the cat's out of the bag in the way that it is now. Part of it's the the the, the end of kayfabe. Part of it is the popularity of of, of MMA. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I, I, I ate Jim Cornette a lot on this stuff. I know, but like it, I, the product today is, it, it is what it is. It's different. You can't really compare the two, but there's definitely something that's lost because people can't just go in and like, you know, for just two hours, just pretend that, you know, just, just go with it and feel like it's feel like they're watching a real thing. You just can't right. do that. No. And I, I I agree with you, Nick. And I think you know if um, I don't know if you've listened to the the recent Stone Cold uh, podcast that he did with Hulk Hogan. It's really great. I recommend anyone that's into it. If you're not listening to it, go listen to Stone Cold's podcast. It's just great in oh, general. I would but, go out of your way to watch. I would go out of your way to listen to that. I, I just listened it, to it the other day, man. It's oh awesome. my god, I was so captivated by it. And um, you know, one of the things that that Hogan brings up, which I think is one of the main issues today, is is that 
you know, and I think Nick kind of touched on a little bit too, is like, you know, you had all the territories where they could, um, you know, learn from some other guys coming up and there was different styles and you would have different people train you. And, you know, you had to bounce around the territories and there was like an internal, like you had to develop real thick skin and you really had to figure out like what your gimmick and character was and put in all this time to think about how you're going to get it over. And for you, I mean, to be a wrestler back then, you know, to, to just get paid, you better bring just everything you've got. And nowadays what Hogan was saying is that, you know, you don't have that kind of, um, I guess what you would say, like work experience um, for these young people coming up because they all go into these, these, you know, WWE owned um, training facilities and you've got a set of trainers. And so everyone's coming in and they're training, pretty much the same ways you know so everyone's kind of taking bumps that look similar and doing moves that look similar and are learning how to do ring psychology it's almost I, I you know I, I can't confirm this obviously but I feel like I'm sure there's probably like a, um, a handbook that they get that kind of helps walk them through almost like a wrestling university if you will where there's 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 things for them to study and learn and so all these guys are probably getting and gals are getting a lot of the same perspective so then it's like all right they've got to take that and now make it their own but i think the problem is is because they're all coming up in the same facility you're seeing a lot of the same people over and over and over again and i think that's a lot of the issue is that it's just homogenous whereas back in the day you know a guy could learn from some guy like the ganyas and a bunch of folks up in minnesota or the grams down in florida you know or the von Erichs in texas you know lawler and memphis so you know you've got all these different uh guys that ran the business and territories and different schools of thought and personalities that's what built these guys to be these amazing, unique characters, and and that's just kind of what's missing. Anyway, uh, we've kind of gotten derailed here. Hey, Nick, I want to thank you for the call. Uh, again, thanks for calling in last week, and um, and thanks for being a loyal listener, man. we got to go out to the phones again, and we've got another caller. Caller, you're live on 80s Wrestling Radio with Matt and Tommy talking about Rick Rude. Good evening, guys. Hey, who's this? Hey, what's your, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Jamie from Cleveland, Ohio. Jamie uh, from Cleveland, regular. Ohio. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Hey, um, I was at the um, Hall of Fame ceremony back in two years ago when Rude was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I was live there in Orlando. My, it was actually my first WrestleMania experience, and when I was kind of like, I wasn't sure why, but brought Ricky Steamboat out to introduce him, you know, to be the one that nominated him for the Hall of Fame. I mean, they had classic matches and all that. Um, but anyway, getting to the question about, you know, my favorite 80s moment with with um, with Rue had to have been his feud with Roberts because mm-hmm. of the ring psychology that Jake the Snake had and the way that uh, Rue was such an innovator with his promos before the matches which is what I always remember about him in the 80s, like when he was on Superstars or Challenge. And, you know, when he brought out, when he made his, his declaration about, like, you Rhode Island rednecks, are you SummerSlam sweat hogs? You know, those <laughs> are memories that stick with me. But the, the best Robert's Rude uh, moment that I can recall was when uh, Jesse and Vince are, you know, in the, you know, on commentary, and of course they're debating and, Jesse's always selling Rude like crazy. And 
Roberts it comes out and just tears off the second pair of tights off the of rune, and they put that big black dot up on the screen for censor. That that will always like be ingrained in my mind when that moment occurred, and that was just to me one of the, one of the best moments, even though not a good moment for him, but you know from a wrestling fan standpoint, that was classic and. The way that they, they did that and the way Rude I mean, even took the bump the right way. When he went down on the mat and he's just struggling all over the place. And Heenan jumps in the ring trying to beat on Jake the Snake and all that. That was great. You know, and also preceding that was, uh, you know, the attempted kiss on Cheryl outside the ring weeks before that. I mean, it was just that's how feuds needed to be. That's how storytelling was at its best. What, why we call it the golden era of wrestling. I mean, that's just a great example right there why we see we saw great feuds like that and we don't see them like they are now. Yeah, absolutely, man. I can, I can agree more. Another thing, uh, another point we just said about, you know, storytelling back then is that they put time behind these stories. There was, you know, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm not using that storyline as an example, but, uh, I mean, Today, nowadays, you know, they'll shoot an angle and then the next week they'll give you the payoff on it. Where back then, you'd have to wait three months, four months, sometimes five months, you know, to get the payoff at the end with these two guys going at it. I mean, it's a lot different back then also, though, because there wasn't nearly as much programming as there is today. But, man, the stories back then, they really, really milked it. They made it so, so, uh, you know, captivating you know, tuning in the next week to see what's going to happen as a kid. You know, is it, you know what's going to happen? Is Jake going to get revenge on on Rick Rude for you know Cheryl? I mean, there's things like that that just made uh, wrestling you know, so larger than life for you know us back then as kids watching it. Uh, that's it's really really missing from you know today's generation. But yeah, man, I mean that was got to be one of the highlights of. Of Rick Rude's career is that that angle and feud with Jake Roberts. I absolutely loved that as a kid, man. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's probably his best feud, you know, in WWF. Um, it's um, uh, you know, the whole setup I think was was really interesting, and I kind of posted a little bit about on that today with a couple of video clips of how that whole thing kicked off because you know they started at WrestleMania four and they wrestled in the tournament. And they were both wrestled to a 15-minute time uh, time limit draw, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but um, you know, right after WrestleMania four, Rude starts up the whole um, gimmick behind you know bringing the women to the ring after the match and after he squashes some guy in Superstars and does the whole Rude Awakening kiss thing, which you know as a kid felt kind of cool and awkward at the same time. But um, you know, they started that as a as a buildup to get to the whole Cheryl Roberts um, uh, piece for, with Jake. And, you know, it's interesting when we talk about payoffs because, you know, back in those days with those feuds that went like five, six months, at least, you know, you would get those, those big payoffs. And we kind of got it, I guess, at uh, survivor series of 88. But what's really interesting to me is between WrestleMania four and SummerSlam 88, the first SummerSlam, and they had that program going and it got hot, right? Like the whole, 
um, you know, the beginning of it. And then the whole, uh, like, like Jamie mentioned with the tights coming off, you know, um, Jake coming off and ripping off the tights and them having to put up a sensor thing. I mean, this was attitude era stuff that we got, you know, in, in the golden era, which was crazy because back then it was, you know, still a lot of, you know, pumping the chest of a lot of the PG stuff. Um, and you know, in 1988, this was a real, like, I mean, with the reality storyline like this and, you know, how, uh, rude and, 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 uh, Jake had to be separated and, you know, it just, and the promos, of course, I mean, my gosh, both these guys are two of the most believable, uh, promos of all time. And so, you know, it felt so real, but what was interesting is, is that as that feud was building into the summer, they didn't at SummerSlam, they went away from it. They didn't, that, that would have been to me like where that major payoff would have been would have been that first SummerSlam because um, you had the Mega Powers, Mega Bucks headlining, and then you obviously had Warrior coming out against Honky um, in the Intercontinental match. But I mean, if you talk about like that third event, how we didn't get Rude and Jake is really odd because Rude, um, I think, oh God, who did he end up wrestling? Um, J- was it JYD? He would end up wrestling JYD. And what was funny in that match, he ripped off the tights to show Cheryl in that match. And Jake came out and beat him up, and and he got this DQ'd. So I guess they used SummerSlam as a continuation of that storyline because it's at, finally at Survivor Series, um, you had those two teams going, and and Jake gets the DDT on him. So I guess that's where our big payoff comes. But it seems like SummerSlam yeah. was interesting that they didn't they didn't have that real big first blow up there, you know. Hey, I got a qu- real quick question before I let you guys go. Um, have you heard anything about Viceland? Dark Side of the Ring, maybe doing a show on him? Uh, you know, we actually had them on our show a couple months back. I don't know if you had tuned into that episode. Uh, they are doing a series, too, as we speak. I, I did not hear uh, whether or not they're doing Ruben. Man, that would be that would be fantastic. I would love to see that. I would That would be really, really cool. And and that, that series was so great the first time, man. I mean, that would be a great episode on, on Rick Rude. I hope that they do do it. Mm. Yeah, right. totally. Well, thank it's, guys I mean, for taking my you know, yeah. You know what's funny too? How, how old? Are Thanks, you, Jamie. Way, Jamie. Appreciate it. Oh, uh, Jamie, how old? Are, how old are you? Forty-six. I'm forty-two, and, and Matt and Matt's forty-two as well. What's funny is it's not well, it's not funny. Uh, Rick Rude, when he passed away, he was only forty years old. I mean, it's ain't, ain't it funny like back then, like how these guys they were so young, they looked like such men. Like even like Hogan when he was like twenty, like twenty-nine, he looked like a, he was like he looked like he was in his fifties, you know. Like they looked, so, you know, they, yeah. today's generation compared to to, to the, the old school guys. I mean, you look at Harley someone Race today. Was that, yeah, what's that? Sorry, Harley Race was one that looked a lot older than he really was when he was in the WWF. Yeah, I mean, but you think about it, like Rude, like during his run in the eighties, man, he had he was probably only in his late twenties. He looked like he was forty then, you know. It's it's funny, like how older those. It was that mustache, man. It was that thick mustache. I think anyone that can grow a giant thick mustache, it adds easily ten to fifteen years to to your age. (laughs) I (laughs) grow one than that. Yeah, I mean, I can't do it either, unfortunately. But uh, but I mean, his his stash. I put actually a thing up on my uh, Instagram page today, you know, because there's a couple great shots of when his hair. He had that giant good fro going in '89, um, that good fro mullet, kind of that whole John Oates thing on steroids, and then the mustache alone. I mean, you know, his mustache alone probably benched about 150. So I, you know, I loved it. I I think it was fantastic. 
And then when he cut his hair for 90 for SummerSlam, and that's when he uh, took a few years off, I think. Well, you know what's funny is when he finally – well, we won't get too into WCW, but when, he eventually shaves his mustache off, I want to say, in 93. Man, that was weird because he's had so much facial hair. He's the kind of guy that gets like a 5 o'clock shadow at 11 a.m. You know, after he shaves in the morning. Like he just had like all – so much hair that like it just – when he didn't have a mustache, I'm like, nah, that's not my Rick Rude. So. Bro, how, 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 great, was his, how great was his perms too? Oh, I mean legendary. You know, he basically looks like Captain Hook. You know, you could have put him in a big old pirate like Captain Morgan or something. Like, he just uh, – he was fantastic. All right. Well, hey, Jamie, man, thanks for the call again. Um, I know you called in last week. Really appreciate your uh, support listening to the show, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Have a good night. Thanks. You too, guys. Good night. All right. Take All right, care. Jamie, call on next week, buddy. All right. That opens up the phone lines, folks. We're talking about Rick Rude here for – man, we still got a ways to go. So, uh, man, call in. Again, you know – Tommy and I are pretty active on Instagram, and we, uh, you know, we put a lot of stuff out there to reminisce online. But I mean, this this is our hour or so every week to to kind of nerd out and and really talk about some of these great old um, you know wrestlers and storylines from uh, from what I mean a lot of us feel is the greatest decade of pro wrestling. So give us a call. The number is three two three two nine seven two nine five three. Again, three two three two nine seven two nine five three. Um Tommy Three three two three nine two seven two nine five three. Did I screw that up? Oh. I mean or did I screw it up? One of us screwed it up. Three two seven two nine three two three two nine seven two nine five three. We'll get it. I guess That's I guess it. I screwed it up. <laughs> um so hey man, um I'm curious. Did you follow Rude at all much before he got it, like before his WWF run? Did you, I mean like some of his stuff in World Class and and uh, and and World Championship Wrestling in NWA? Uh, a little bit. Like I said, growing up in Jersey, I was always a WWF guy. Um, you know, I I I, I found him more through like the the after magazines back then. You know, when he was like tag teaming with Manny Fernandez and NWA and. Uh, and stuff like that. And I saw like a little bit of his WCCW stuff through through the magazines, but it wasn't really. Uh, I really didn't see him see him wrestle until he came to the WWF, which was in uh, which was in uh, I believe it was in July of '87. Uh, he he debuted with with Bobby Heenan. So yeah, through the magazines, uh, I knew of him, but I didn't see him wrestle until he came to the WWF. Yeah. Well, man, if you can, I, I totally implore you to go back and look at some of that stuff, especially like in world class and in Florida, because when he got with Percy Pringle, who we all you know, know also know as uh, Paul Bear, Percy Pringle was absolutely – I mean it, that character was – I mean I, – and again, I think Bobby Heenan is kind of the goat in terms of total wrestling entertainment. Man, Percy Pringle was a damn close 1B, two, maybe a 2A. I mean, he was so entertaining, uh, had the same kind of charisma as, as, um, as Heenan, you know, would get physically involved in matches. But the way that he managed Rude and put him over, I mean, the two of them together were just magic. And, you know, Rude actually in world class became that promotion's very first world uh, heavyweight champion because back in the um, – before they seceded from the NWA uh, world class was, was part of that. And so their, their 
title was called the the American Heavyweight Championship, and so he won that. But then somewhere along the line, they they broke away, and then that's when um, they formed the World Class Wrestling Association. And then uh, with with Rude holding the belt, he just instantly they recognized him as a World Championship uh, title holder. And so you know he had some amazing matches. I mean he's got a great match you can find it on YouTube, but the quality is pretty bad um, against Bruiser Brody. It's about 13 minutes in outdoor. I think it might yeah, be. Yeah, I, um, I, I did see that match. Yeah, I did see that match. Um, that was awesome. The Von Erichs, obviously uh, Warrior. You know he starts his he's, he actually teams with Warrior, Dingo Warrior, and then they uh, they have a falling out, and then they have a feud, and so we got to see you know that about four years before it really was box office. So yeah, there's some really awesome stuff about there. And then you know he, he does he has like a cup of coffee in the NWA with Manny Fernandez as a tag team, and they win the NWA tag belts from the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and then, um, you know, he, he was thinking he was pretty over and I I guess their big, his big issue with those guys with Jim Crockett at that time was that, you know, the money, uh, he just felt the money wasn't there. And, and, uh, and that's when Vince came a call in, you know, in, uh, in 87, early 87, and he was out of there and into the WWF by, uh, by 80, I think July of 87, man. So, um, yeah. Good stuff from that guy. All right, wait, we got a few other calls. Let's uh, let's get back out to the phone lines. Uh, hey, caller, what's going on, man? You're on with 80s Wrestling Radio with Matt and Tommy. Hey, guys, how are you? Good. Good, how are yes. you? What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm well, thanks. I said, my name's Eric. I'm calling from uh, North Carolina. I'm actually uh, originally from New Jersey as well, man. Nice. What's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. How are you guys? Great show. Great show. Seriously. Good, thanks. Okay. What's your what's your favorite memories of ravishing Rick Rude? Uh, wow. Well, you know, I uh, like you, man. I grew up as a you know a WWF guy mainly. Uh, being from New Jersey, it's you know what TV we got other than you know catching WCW on the the Superstation and stuff. Um, but I got into wrestling in 1990 after SummerSlam, uh, so I didn't really know Rick Rude was in the World Wrestling Federation until. I went back and watched uh, old pay-per-views and things like that and just got tapes from friends and things. And uh, one thing that really impressed me with him, even as a kid, was uh, just, you know, the professionalism of this guy. Like, going back to his tights that we talked about, that you guys talked about with um, his few big, you know, Jake Roberts and Ultimate Warrior. Um, That was like Macho Man level type stuff. Even almost better than what... uh, Randy Savage would do. I know that Randy had a great, did a great job of changing the gear up for, you know, all his matches, especially WrestleMania four, you know, having a different gear and everything like that for each one of his matches. But Rude really made the match, not only with his, you know, professionalism in the ring, but with, you know, his, the way he took that character um, with his tights in particular, um, it made it something. I think it was, uh, SummerSlam, or maybe WrestleMania Five. did he have the belt, the Intercontinental Championship belt, on the front of his tights? Am I correct with that? Does anyone remember? Uh, that would be, Summers- be SummerSlam. He he won the belt at WrestleMania Five. Oh, okay. That, that's right. He won it at WrestleMania Five, right? So, yeah, so SummerSlam, then he had it, like, on there. And I just think that was uh, fantastic. Uh, he really made, you know, those matches seem really, really important. I think through taking that time to do that, and um, I know I think wrestlers like him deserve a lot more credit for for, for those little things um, than they get. What do you guys think? 
I agree, man. I, I think that that really added to his character because back then, you know, and it was much more, you know, it was much more character driven back then. But you didn't see anyone really with tights with, you know, airbrushing on them. So I mean, that made him stand out uh, completely from from everyone else. Cause no one had that, as far as I remember, Matt. Did anyone? I, I don't remember any other wrestler in the eighties having airbrushed tights. You know. Man, I don't. I mean, it became a much bigger thing in the 90s, I think. But back in the 80s, I want to say Rude was, Rude may have pioneered that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big collector of wrestling memorabilia, but if I could get a pair of some original <laughs> Rick Rude tights, man, like that would be a pretty, pretty sweet thing. You know what you would do with them, right? You'd put them on, you go in front of your mirror and Put your hands around your uh, head and you know what? I like that. Right <laughs> Shit, now. I would, man. I it's would go more. to the grocery store in those things, and like, I mean, I'd probably even have like a little stereo that had the, his theme music, and you know, I could have like someone with me to hit the music, and yeah, jumping on the produce aisle. But what are you, what are you be, talking uh, about? You, you did, you did that before tonight's episode. I know <laughs> that you, did. you were in front of your mirror tonight playing that music. Well, I think I want to say Chalkline or somebody has gone out there, I think, and licensed some of that and um, and reprinted some of those like in like swim trunks. I think you can get like a few different versions so. of of, uh, of his stuff in swim trunks, which, um, again, I don't know why I don't own those. So, um, yeah, <laughs> got to get on that. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> that, yeah, yes. that, you, we're talking about like throwing his music on. That's one thing, too. Like, I love the network, but. I wish that uh, they didn't have to change so much of the theme music sometimes. Like, you know, uh, Rick Rude, I guess, used the stripper as his uh, entrance theme. And I wasn't mm-hmm. sure, I'm not sure if Jim Johnson, like, kind of revamped it a little bit for that or, like, what version they used. But what they have on the network is so weird. What do you guys think of that? Like, I wish that they were able to use his, his original it was so iconic hearing that like saxophone come in in the beginning and it was so dramatic the whole time. <laughs> I, I honestly, Tommy, maybe, you know, um, with your past history with the company over there, I don't know. Like, do you, do you understand why there's a, uh, an issue with that music licensing? Because I, I think it's terrible the way that they've had to, to, to yeah. redub that stuff. Yeah. I mean, especially I think, the I WCW a, stuff. Yeah. I think it's a matter of legal, the legal department i think that you know since it's it's on their network platform that if they air it with the original music i think that they'd have to pay royalty fees every time they played it no matter who the artist was because when they i think maybe when they used it back in uh the 80s you know it wasn't for reproduction of 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 selling it it was on on television so uh you know when they when they're they're got it on the network now and people are subscribing and paying for the service. Maybe that's why I'm not hundred percent, but I it's agree with that. that so, yeah. Sorry. So go ahead was, and finish your thought. Is, no, no, I was just going to say, man, I think that song though is iconic as far as his character goes. I mean, that music hit man and it was legit hit the music. I mean, that song like really <laughs> made his character, man. It really it was, did. especially because of the, you know, the whole, it, it just goes so well with it. You know, his hit the music thing, and then he does his, you know, Atlantic City sweat hog type move. And then when he says, like, hit the music again, and it just blasts back in, it's so perfect. And now, yeah, I don't know, it, it takes a little bit away from me. I almost want to mute it <laughs> when I watch on totally. the network. I'm like, oh, man, here's that Yeah, weird, it, it feels like an old, volume. like, 60s showgirl kind of uh, yeah. uh, tune now. It's, like, really like an old Rockettes or something. Cool. Hey, man, yeah, appreciate the call. <laughs> 
thanks thanks for calling in, man. That was a great call and and really some some good discussion there. Um, from Jersey, yeah, moving man, on. Of course it is. <laughs> nice. All right, <laughs> caller. What's going on, man? You were live with Matt and Tommy here on 80s Wrestling Radio talking about ravishing Rick Rude. What's going on? Who's this? Hello? I see you, but you're not there. All right. Call back in if you can. The number is 323-927-2953. All right. Going into our next caller. Hey, what's going on, caller? You're on with Matt and Tommy with 80s Wrestling Radio. What's going on? Who's this? Hey, my name's Rick. No, I'm just joking. This is Paul. How you doing, man? Um, I love Rick Rude, and uh, he was just such a good wrestler. And uh, one of my favorite matches, when he actually got hurt against Sting, I watched that match from time to time because it's truly unbelievable how he uh, was able to get through that match. I know it was like a career and an injury, and he was able to, to just kind of, you know, work his way through that match. And to me, that was uh, just a testament of that guy's, character his, his you know build his strength and his physique i mean the guy i didn't appreciate him as a kid but as an adult like that guy was just really uh above most wrestlers when it comes to the physique i mean the guy was just shredded absolutely do you have a favorite match of his i would say it was that one against sting when he got hurt and he finished the match i mean it's on youtube still uh, just watching that you can tell that you can tell when he took that fall over the the guardrail, and he got. You can tell he was in like serious pain, but he just muscled through it. I don't know how he did it, but um, I have a question was for it you. A back, you said was it that? a back or neck? I, have, I don't remember. I think back. it was his. I think it was his back. Yeah. Uh, question for you: yeah. Since you said that was your favorite match against Sting, uh, did you like Rude better in the end of? Uh, well, then it was WCW. Then did you like Rude better in WCW than you did in WWF? And if not, what do you think about the comparison from him uh, going from WWF to the NWA slash WCW? You know, when I was a kid, um, I was born in 83, so I was a kid back then. And uh, as a kid, I guess I'd say WWF because I watched more of that. But as an adult, um, I watched both, like, you know, both times and, you know, when he was in each of the of the different, you know, companies. And I like them both, man. I mean, the guy was, like, when he would go to his whole spiel in the WWF, he called people sweat hogs and Motor City, you know, sweat hog and just like talk so much crap to the fans and get that pop like he was a true heel i mean guys like him and jake roberts like man those guys were just so talented like not to bash on the, the wrestlers these days but they cannot do the stuff that rick rude you know stone cold jake roberts those guys were like true psychologists in my opinion like rick rude could piss off any crowd real quick oh yeah Totally agree, man. He was uh, he he was one of a kind. Hey, Paul, man, appreciate the call. Great stuff. That that uh, that match with Sting, yeah, man. I I have a hard time going back and and even watching it, just knowing that 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 was kind of uh, it for him. You know, it's uh, it was kind of a sad thing because I mean he was cut down at a time when he still could have had a a really solid run for my God. I mean, we talked about him what ninety nine dying at forty, so ninety what was that ninety three ish. Uh, so he's only 30, 33 years old, 32 years old. Yeah, man. God, the guy had a huge career in front of him and cut down short. Um, Tommy, we got another caller, man. And just think about real quick, just real quickly, just said yeah. 33. Uh, just think about the career he had though. 
I mean, man, I mean, if he was only 33 and 93, think about his WWF run from 90, you know, 86, 87, 88, 89. Like, man, he's in his mid 20s there, and he's yeah. just putting on like an unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable performances and, and, and so many belts, uh, so many nuts on his belt and his resume. I mean, man, what a run he had for that time frame for his age, right? You know, it's. I think if you look back on all the some of the bigger misses that Vince McMahon has had, you know, letting Rude get away because I think at the, towards the end in '90 there there were some injuries involved and he wasn't making shows, and then, you know, he he had some. Um, I think he had some payout discrepancies because he was billed on a lot of shows that he wouldn't show up for because he was hurt. But then I think there was some bad blood going on. He was still getting paid, but you know how Vince's payment. Uh, method works which is like a total mystery he gives you what you what you think you earn and so you know because he's not showing up he's getting paid less but he also knows his name is still a draw which is why they're selling tickets so it sounds like there was a bunch of he said she he she said crap you know behind the scenes but yeah man i mean i'm i'm happy for for rick rude that when hit that the fact that he had that opportunity to go to wcw and become the company's i mean biggest star over the next like two years after that and um i'm glad that 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 was kind of like him being able to give the finger back to vince a little bit saying like look you know what you know warriors warrior couldn't hold the hold the belt for you for longer than like what uh, a year uh eight months nine months you know um and and rude then went on to win the wcw world championship three times and was the u.s champion so um yeah man i i think he uh he was he was a hell of a talent, man. Um, all right, going back out to the phone lines. Caller, you are on. A, whoa, my friend. Can you uh, maybe turn your radio down, or or if you're on a cell phone, maybe uh, walk away from your computer. Okay. That's, uh, that's some big time feedback going. On. Oh, that's getting better. That's getting better. That's getting yeah. Better. Jacob from Brooklyn. Hey, Jacob. What's going on, man? Hey. uh... I'm a big Robinson Rick Rue fan. I, I still and you guys were talking about going to school together. Imagine going to a bar with these guys as the bartenders, because they, I mean, not bartender. I'm sorry, <laughs> as the bouncers, because these guys were all bouncers at that at that at that club too. Yep. Yeah, so, um, Barry Darso talks about that all the time, man. That that Rude was the guy he didn't want to mess with. The other guys would fight if they had to, but uh, but Rude. Man, he should have had a part in Roadhouse. Like him and Dalton, he could have been a great heel. That guy that that he got his throat ripped out in Roadhouse. Oh yeah, Rick, Rick, he, yeah, he, he totally could have played, played that role. <laughs> he could have played that role. But um, yeah, he came out to some great music. You remember when? I remember when he was in World Class. He came out to Smooth Operator, Sade. Yes, he did. Had some great matches with Chris Adams and, and like you said, Bruiser Brody. He had he had some little little, little tussles with the, with the warrior and Lance von Eric, and then he went to uh, the NWA, and, and and came out the Queen with him and um, Manny Manny Fernandez. I still remember they beat the Rock and Roll Express on a Saturday show, six oh five. Paul Jones roped the Rock Paul Jones roped the Rock and Roll Express into defending the belts. And they ended up losing. Yeah, um, and you know, obviously, Rude, um, 
Rude actually got out of the company. I think they were still they still had the belts, and Rude left yeah. in '87 because he felt like he wasn't getting his just deserve. And Manny Fernandez even says he's man. Rude was Rude was like getting really really over. People were, were digging him, and he felt he should have been escalated up out of that program and and probably going into like Four Horsemen territory or Sting territory back in uh, in that period. And oh, yeah. uh, you know, and and he didn't get it. And so Vince yeah, was like, I hey. They were bad guys, and they were cutting bad guy promos on the Four Horsemen and and all yeah. the other teams. And yeah. Um, yeah, and even Manny Fernandez said that he kept one of the belts because I think it was one of those 50th anniversary black and uh, silver belts that Rick Rude kept his when he left. Uh, good for him, man. I would have too. <laughs> all well, right, hey Jacob. Well, uh, real quick, man. We got. Uh, do you have one Rick Rude uh, memory or match? Oh. um Definitely him, him and um, the Ultimate Warrior. They, they, he, he, he's the one. Like if, if any, if if there was one wrestler that Warrior could come back and say, this guy brought me to the dance, I would say it was Rude. Over Hogan, over, over, Sa- I mean, over all, all Savage, over the other guys. I would say Rick Rude brought him to the dance. Oh man, I couldn't have said any better. Totally agree. He uh, he put he put Jacob, Warrior over you. big time, man. Jacob, thanks for calling in, man. Definitely call back next week. We enjoyed your call tonight. All right, Tommy, that frees it up, man. Um, yeah, shoot, we've had a busy night on the phones and trying to also just kind of cover a lot of other topics. Like you think about his whole career through the '80s. My God, there's just so much. Um, you know, yeah, and man. and I think what's amazing is is you know we're not even spending time really on his '90s career, which you know, in some ways was, was the biggest part of his career, but, uh, um, you know, his, his big run, um, getting the, the incontinental. Did you think at that point when he won, when he beat warrior, which I think he might've been warrior's first loss, like, like actual one, two, three pin. Um, you know, he wins that at, at WrestleMania five at 89. Did you think that, you know that like okay here he comes now like he's going to be tabbed as probably the next guy like it's going to they're going to move to him and Hogan or did you I mean because obviously you know Warrior gets it back at SummerSlam but I'm just kind of curious like um, you know that was a pivotal moment when he won in at WrestleMania 5 especially after Hogan won the title back like what do you think like they could have gone with that I I mean I think they could have they could have went in that direction and I find it weird that they never did I I believe they have they might have only had one match, Hogan and Rude. I, I believe it's on YouTube. Uh, I'm pretty sure it might be on YouTube, but I'm I'm surprised that they never had a program with each other, Rude and Hogan. And is there a backstory behind that too? Because I, I think there might be the reason why those guys never worked a program with each other was it because Hogan didn't trust Rude, or did, I heard something about about that that there's a reason why that those two never had a program with each other. Okay, so I've heard two. I've heard two theories. Uh, the first theory I've heard, which I think could probably be like thrown out, is the fact that um, Hogan felt Rude was just too small, even though he was like really cut and ripped. That he was only about two fifty, and that uh, you know at that time Hogan. I mean Savage. I mean look at Savage. Savage is only about the same like two forty, two fifty, and they just had that huge big program, right? Um, 
So that's why I'm like, I don't buy, I put a lot of stock in that. Plus, you know, you and I have talked about in the past, Hogan Orndorff was a phenomenal feud and Orndorff wasn't a big guy. He was, he was ripped. He was like rude, you know, ripped and about 250. So I don't think it was a, a size thing. What, I, what the other thing I heard is that rude, because rude was known as being such a badass. And I think, you know, he commanded so much respect in the, in the back with, with the other guys. Um, and the fact, you know, that he was known when he got really intense, you know, he could work, he could work pretty stiff, you know, at times, you know, he could throw some shots in there because of how intense he was. And uh, that Hulk, you know, I think might've been a little leery that, you know, could, could Rude be going into business for himself and trying to get over so much to take his belt? Because that would have been the thing is like, I think you could have, had the ultimate heel versus the ultimate baby face, but rude came off as being so ambitious. It's kind of like why I think Jake and Hogan never had a big program because Vince was afraid that fans would start turning on Hogan and rooting for the, the, the heel. And that was what was happening. I think in a few dark uh, matches with, uh, with, with Jake is that people were chanting DDT, you know, if, and we kind of talk about rude and, and uh, Jake being on that same plane in terms of their heel uh, capabilities and their and their believabilities and their their just evil promos and all this, that I wonder if there was a little bit of fear from Hogan as well as Vince saying like, Rude gets so much heat as a heel, but he's kind of a cool heel because the chicks kind of dig him and you know that like, uh, would that be a threat to Hogan? And I think that it, that would be my guess as to why they really never got there. Yeah, yeah, that might be, that might be, but uh, I mean, we can keep talking on and on about Rick Rude's career. Um, I, I, unfortunately, we're out of time this week, uh, but man, what a, what a career he did have, and uh, yeah, he was definitely one of my favorites uh, in the eighties. No, he he was yours as well. And uh, what are we gonna do for next week? I know uh, last week when we were off the air. You pick two topics, and I pick two topics. I kind of like that idea. We have four different topics to choose from, and then the the fans vote which one they want. Last week, Rick Rude won. Do you want to give it a, a night to sleep on it and, and, and come up with your two topics tomorrow? You want to do it on the spot right now? Uh, how do you want to work it? You know, I think let's uh, let's maybe sleep on that one. We'll we'll chat about it. But I I'd like to throw it out there to anyone who might be listening to the show. I uh, want to appreciate you guys listening. Um, and uh, you know, if you follow Tommy's account at 80s Wrestling on Instagram and and Twitter and Facebook, um, I'm at squared underscore circle underscore classics. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to, you know, follow us and uh, shoot us a DM or, you know, fo- on some of the posts that we, we, uh, we sent out today about today's show, you know, we'll probably put a recap post out there. I'm sure about trying to download this episode for anyone that didn't get a chance to hear it, but you know, um, yeah, over the next day or so, you know, if you've got some topics that you'd love to, to hear uh, us rant about and, and would love to call in and chat about, you know, send us some suggestions. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you and I, we could take some time to uh, to sleep on it and we could think of some, but would love to also get some of the listeners' input as well. Yeah, man, let's do that. And then uh, real quickly before we, uh, we call it a night, uh, the, the one more thing I want to announce for 80s Wrestling Con 2 Hey, hey, actually, wait, Tommy, 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 real quick, before I, before you go there, do you mind if I set you up with uh, some little bit of uh, outro music? Because I think that this could really warrant uh, the announcement you're about to make. So let me just give you, just give me a second here, and I'm going to tee you up, my friend, and uh, you've got about a minute 
you got about a minute here to uh, to do this. So without further ado, go for it. Sure. So uh, 80s Wrestling Con 2, Saturday, October the 26th. I play America Freehold, New Jersey. We talked about a ton of different activities we're going to do uh, earlier in the show. But one of the real cool things we're going to do is an 80s wrestling Halloween costume contest. And you can come dress as an 80s wrestler at 80s Wrestling Con 2. And the special guest judge for this will be the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And the winner of the contest that he picks will get $100 from the million dollar man himself at 80s Wrestling Con 2. Wow, man, that is incredible that the Million Dollar Man will be there to not only be a uh, a guest and to get autographs and photos, but he'll be there to actually uh, give like award the winner a uh, hundred bucks in the costume contest, man. That that's uh, that's pretty awesome. That's good stuff right there. So you 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 get you get your Hulk Hogan costume ready now, brother. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, hey, man. For uh, for Tommy Fierro at Eighties Wrestling, this is Matt McMahon with uh, At Squared Circle Classics. Give us a follow on social media and. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week on 80s Wrestling Radio.